Welcome to the October 17th, 2018 edition of the BitcoinNews.com Daily Podcast, where we cover the biggest stories of Bitcoin, blockchain, and cryptocurrency every single day. You can count on us being here. This is your host, Space Marine. Jumping right into the market analysis. On Bitstamp and Coinbase, which has become the new standard for measuring Bitcoin's price in USD, it's about 603070 right now. Actually, 6370. 6,370, not to get you excited that it might be 63,000 and 6,370. But on Bitfinex, which used to be the standard to measure Bitcoin's price, because it is the largest USD to Bitcoin exchange in the world, it's 6,630. So that's about a $260 price difference still. It's been decreasing a bit over time, especially now that Bitfinex has announced their distributed fiat deposit solution for banking. But still, Tether remains at... Well, actually, it went up to 98 cents just now, so it's starting to... It's getting closer to the parity. It declined to 97 cents over the past day, but now it shot up back to 98. It will be great news if Tether goes back to a dollar, because it's been hurting the whole crypto market, I think. I think the whole crypto market has had some severe fear, uncertainty, and doubt, FUD, from Bitfinex and Tether having banking problems. Overall, the crypto market cap's declining a little bit, because all the major coins, besides like Bitcoin, are going down like 2 or 3%. So the crypto market gets at $209 billion. Now for our first story of the day. The largest crypto exchange in India before the banking ban there, because the Reserve Bank of India, which is the central bank of India, banned banking for crypto companies, including exchanges, and then the government, the cent- specifically the Supreme Court of India, upheld the ban. So you can't use your bank accounts in India anymore for crypto, and that kind of shut down the exchanges. There's major peer-to-peer trading going on, like local Bitcoin and stuff like that. So that's taken over. But ZPay was the biggest crypto exchange in India, and they determined that the business was too crippled from the banking ban, and it wasn't even meaningful anymore what they were trying to do there. So they closed down on September 28th. But they have already relaunched. They're now in Malta, though. So that's a big difference. So yeah, they moved to Malta, which has been nicknamed Blockchain Island, since they're accepting like every blockchain and crypto firm that wants to be there. And so ZPay is going to be a lot different now. Since they're in Malta, there's no way they could do any business with India as long as the banking ban continues. Maybe when India lifts that ban eventually, I think they will lift it eventually. Then ZPay can go back into India. But right now, they're, they've turned into a European exchange under the name Alencan Innovations Malta Limited. And they're in the countries of Malta, Belgium, Bulgaria, Croatia, Cyprus, Czech Republic, Denmark, Finland, France, Germany, Greece, Hungary, Ireland, Italy, Latvia, Netherlands, Poland, Portugal, Slovenia, and Sweden. Almost every country in Europe, notably absent the United Kingdom also. But these are the countries that are really in the European Union because the United Kingdom is leaving the European Union. So this is most of the EU countries. And so this is a big change for them. And it's very reminiscent of what happened in China. Like China banned all fiat to crypto trading. So in India, they didn't ban fiat to crypto trading. They stole out peer-to-peer fiat to crypto trading, but China, it's totally banned and illegal. And the biggest exchange in the world were in China. Like, over 90% of Bitcoin's volume was in China. And so the big exchanges there were Hobie, OKCoin, and Binance. They still exist. Hobie, OKCoin, and Binance basically went overseas, and they've established themselves in many different countries now. And Huobi, OKX, and Binance. And OKX is closely related to OKCoin because they have, like, the same founder. So Huobi, OKX, and Binance continue to be the top exchanges in the world, but now they're overseas. They actually got a lot stronger because they're in many different countries. They're a lot more uh, durable, and they don't have, like, a single point of failure when it comes to countries anymore. And Binance and OKX, at least, 
have established businesses in Malta. So, just like ZPay went to Malta, Binance and OKX also are in Malta, but also a lot of other places. And ZPay could follow that lead. They could end up in many different countries besides Malta, as far as headquarters go. And the Prime Minister of Malta, Joseph Muscat, considers crypto to be the inevitable future of money. And he welcomes any blockchain and crypto firm. So it's the place to go for a crypto exchange that's fleeing a hostile nation. Now for our next story. The Commodity Features Training Commission Commissioner Brian Quintez made a speech that talked about blockchain smart contracts. Most of the speech was about blockchain smart contracts. And he specifically focused on prediction markets that are powered by blockchain smart contracts like Augur. So Augur is the number 52 cryptocurrency with a market cap of $139 million. And it's based around prediction markets that use smart contracts. So basically people could bet on like Bitcoin's price going up and down. They could bet on like the presidential election. But also a darker side, they've been betting on assassinations and stuff. Here's the thing with Augur. They burned their kills. They used to have a kill switch where they could turn the whole platform off if they had to. But they burned it. So now it's like there's it won't be able to be stopped. It's like program in the computer. It's pretty much anonymous and decentralized, so it can't be stopped, but the CFTC still has its eyes on it. The CFTC says these prediction markets on, like, Augur, for example, they didn't mention Augur exactly, but I think Augur is the biggest example of a prediction market that uses blockchain. So they said these prediction markets count as binary options and also as event contracts, which are both regulated by the CFTC. And they, the CFTC says if an event contract is based upon war, terrorism, or assassination, or other similar things, it's contrary to public interest. And any sort of prediction market or event contract that's contrary to public interest can be prohibited by the CFTC. And so they're saying that they're thinking of, and they probably are going to, start enforcing prediction markets somehow. And here's the really crazy thing, in my opinion. They're actually going to go after the developers. So they mentioned how they would enforce this. They're going to attack developers of prediction markets. Let's say there's even a developer like across the world in like Africa. I don't know where the Augur developers are, but obviously the CFTC's eyes are focused on Augur when they're talking about this. So the developers are the ones that are getting in trouble because they say the developers knew the laws of the CFTC and made no effort to stop availability in the U.S. And I don't think that's true. I don't think... I never heard of this before, these laws... But they're saying everyone already knew these laws and they're going to go after developers who make these programs. So the Augur developers could end up in a legal battle, like a personal legal battle of crimes being charged against them, God forbid. And then they say a secondary layer of enforcement. They might actually go back after the individuals, like U.S. citizens that are using Augur or other prediction markets that use blockchain smart contracts. They're going to go after individuals too, they say. But they don't think it would be effective, but I think they would still do it. The same way they're going after Bitcoin dealers and it's not really effective, but they still do it. I'm talking about, like, you know, the police and stuff. They go after Bitcoin dealers and also, like, the IRS and the FBI, all those people. Yeah, it's not effective, but they still do it. So, And the CFTC has said they created Lab CFTC to engage with blockchain developers to re prevent them from making illegal platforms in the first place. I bet Lab CFTC would actually just tell them not to make anything at all. So no one's really talking to them. And so Quintez, the guy who made all of this statement, says, if engagement doesn't occur, then enforcement is the only option. So they're probably ready to start enforcing prediction markets. And this seems retroactive. Like any prediction market like Augur, which is a major cryptocurrency that already launched, I think they might be in trouble with this. But that's the speculation. One final thing that he says is that the, he's heard people say the code is law. 
Quintez says he's heard people say the code is law, but he doesn't think the code is law. He says the law is the law, and it's superior to code being the law. Because in the crypto and blockchain space, oftentimes the code is considered like a law of sorts, and considered the law on the internet, the code of a crypto or blockchain platform, but... And there's all sorts of, like, governments actually implemented in blockchain platforms to change the code. And that's kind of like the governance. Those are the laws in the code. Like with Ethereum, for example, they're constantly trying to change the code and the laws. So, well, not constantly, but they have hard forks, like, every year. So, that's when they change the code and the law, according to them. But Quintez is saying, no, code is not the law. Now for our next story. 100,000 regular ATMs in the United States can now easily become Bitcoin ATMs. So Gen Mega is, they own like, well, they actually manufactured over 100,000 ATMs that are in the United States. And there's actually only about 400,000, maybe 500,000 ATMs in the entire United States. So 100,000 is a significant amount of ATMs. Like I'm talking about regular bank fiat ATMs. But now they've teamed up with Liberty X. And Liberty X, I've heard about this years ago. Liberty X is a way to buy Bitcoin at like a store that accepts Liberty X or like anyone that wants to do Liberty X, but it really has to be a store or something. And also Liberty X launched the first Bitcoin ATMs in the US back in 2014. But aside from that, there's like T-Mobile stores or like phone stores or like Walmart or something. Like they get all, they could choose to have Liberty X and then people bring cash to the register and get like a voucher and then they apply the voucher to their Bitcoin account and get Bitcoins instantly. And there's like a thousand dollar limit per day. So the, back in the day when it was hard to get Bitcoin, like Liberty X was really good. It still is pretty good. But now they've teamed up with Gen Mega and got better than ever. So Liberty X is available on Gen Mega ATMs with a simple upgrade. So people at regular ATMs can put their money into the ATM. A hundred thousand regular ATMs. They can put their money in there and get Bitcoins out if it has Liberty X installed. And it costs nothing to upgrade. It takes no new hardware. And I think... It, Owners of Gen Mega ATMs have a big incentive to do this since it's like a really major feature. They get called a Bitcoin ATM and get it listed on Coin ATM Radar just by upgrading to Liberty X. And I think that's going to start happening like really soon if it hasn't already started. So people can make more money. The ATM owners can make more money. And then there's going to be a lot more locations to buy Bitcoin throughout the United States. For example, there's only 3,894 Bitcoin ATMs worldwide compared to the number of 100,000 Gen Mega ATMs in the United States that could be Bitcoin ATMs soon. 3,894 is nothing to like, scoff at. It's been drastically growing. It was 2,086 Bitcoin ATMs at the beginning of this year, 2018. 949 at the beginning of 2017. So like the number of Bitcoin ATMs is exponentially growing, but now it could go beyond exponential. Like, this could be beyond exponential growth if a lot of Gen Mega ATM operators decide to upgrade. Like we could suddenly find ourselves with tens of thousands of ATMs within like the next month for two or three. So that would be really interesting to watch. Bitcoin ATMs are essential for turning Bitcoin into a real everyday currency, especially the two-way ATMs. By the way, these Gen Mega Liberty X Bitcoin ATMs, they're not going to be two-way. They will not dispense cash. Well, maybe they could, but Liberty X doesn't do that. Maybe they'll change to do that. But the two-way ATMs are very, very useful for turning Bitcoin into a real currency for everyday life. Because if people are paid with Bitcoin, they can take it to the Bitcoin ATM and get the cash out that they need for rent and food. Aside from that, just having more points to buy Bitcoin makes it a lot easier to buy and also will increase the demand. Every single ATM installed gets use for Bitcoin. Every single Bitcoin ATM gets used, therefore increasing the total demand in the Bitcoin market, increasing Bitcoin's price. So this will be interesting to watch the number of Bitcoin ATMs and keep in mind that there's 100,000 regular ATMs that might be becoming Bitcoin ATMs. 
And by the way, there's 3.5 million ATMs worldwide, fiat banking ATMs. So if this works out with Liberty X and Gen Mega and a lot of people upgrade, it'll probably spread to the other 18 networks too. Why not? So we could end up with millions of Bitcoin ATMs in like maybe a year or two or three. That'll be really interesting to watch. The final story of the day, and I think the most exciting story of the day. I love nuclear. I love looking at nuclear bomb videos and also the science behind nuclear energy is very interesting, even when it's just for safe, peaceful purposes. So powering Bitcoin mining with nuclear reactors might be the future. So nuclear reactors are actually very clean energy, except, you know, when they, the reactor melts and it causes radiation to be released, like in Fukushima and Chernobyl. That's really rare, though. For the most part, nuclear reactors, they cost a lot to build, but then they produce very cheap energy, even with those building costs. It's very cheap energy. The, the uranium or whatever the nuclear fuel source they use to power the reactor is pretty cheap relatively to like oil when it comes to producing energy. And it also barely releases greenhouse gas at all. Like it, it boils water. It produces radioactive waste, which has to be like quarantined and hid somewhere. But other than that, it produces like steam from water and the steam just goes out to the atmosphere and it's water vapor so that doesn't pollute anything and so a lot of people have been complaining about bitcoin mining that it's approaching half a percent of global energy consumption 200 gigawatts according to dish economist but that might be an overestimate right now and that'd be like a quarter percent of global energy but they're saying it's approaching half a percent so people are saying bitcoin mining causes global warming pollutes the environment it raises electricity rates for everyone else well here's a solution you use nuclear power. And, and I'm going to go into the details of why this makes sense. So nuclear power plants produce so much energy energy that they actually overload the grid. Well, they don't overload it. The, re, the plant operators slow down the nuclear reaction to produce less energy because the grid at various times of the day and very t various times of the year, the grid doesn't have anywhere else to store electricity. So they actually have to make the nuclear power plant produce less energy. Here's the thing. Nuclear power plants use the same amount of money to run them. Like, it costs the same to run a nuclear power plant running at full capacity or running at, like, low capacity, maybe even no capacity. Most of the cost of running the nuclear power plant is not from the fuel. So, if you tr if you have anything less than 100% max capacity, it's a loss of money. But they have to because the electricity grid can't handle any more electricity. And so, this makes the nuclear power cost more. They just have to raise the electricity rate. So if you can get a plant running at full capacity, then it's going to cost less. The electricity rates for the entire grid will be less if the plant's running at full capacity. And this is where Bitcoin mining comes in. So a Bitcoin mining farm could set up shop like near enough to a nuclear reactor that they're on the nuclear reactor's grid. And it doesn't have to be like right next to it. It could be like 10 miles away and still connected to the power source of the nuclear reactor. And then so they can set up like a huge Bitcoin mining farm. Or even like all the Bitcoin mining farms can be put like relatively close to nuclear reactors where they get the power from the nuclear reactor. And that will be enough energy to power the entire Bitcoin network. And it's like energy that would have been wasted because the plant wouldn't be producing and it still costs the same amount of money. to Whether it produces it or not. So it's like basically it doesn't take away energy from anyone. So they can't say it's raising rates. In fact, if a Bitcoin mining farm set up near a nuclear plant and it was a big enough farm... It would cause rates to be lowered for everyone because the plant would be producing more electricity all the time. And that would lower the rates. And also there would obviously be no fossil fuel pollution or anything from that. It's nuclear energy. Aside from this, so I'm just going to explain how nuclear chain reactions work. So you have a heavy isotope such as uranium-235. It's split. And then that releases neutrons which cause another uranium-235 
five atoms to split an isotope. There's many isotopes of uranium. And so, like, basically, one atom splits, it releases neutrons, which causes another atom to split. And if this is in a stable way, like, it causes one atom to split per atom that splits, it's a stable nuclear chain reaction that could produce power in a nuclear reactor. If it's unstable and, like, the number of atoms is exponentially growing as atoms split, like, if the number of atoms splitting exponentially grows as one atom splits and then 10, and then it's 100, and then 1,000, and then 100,000, if it's like that, then it'll be a nuclear bomb. So anyways, we're talking about controlled nuclear reactions here. And so they insert control rods into the core of the reactor to slow it down when the electricity grid is overloaded. And the control rods, all they do is absorb neutrons. So the fuel is still burning. It's hard to turn that fuel off once the reaction is going. But the fuel is still burning anyways. The control rods simply absorb the neutrons. They're made of like boron and silver and a couple of other metals that absorb neutrons. So the fuel is still burning, the plane's still operating, costs the same amount of money, it's just they're actually slowing down the amount of electricity they're getting and losing money. Aside from this, nuclear power plants, like, the more you use control rods, that lowers the lifespan of a nuclear reactor. So not only will this decrease the power rates around nuclear reactors if Bitcoin mining is put close to nuclear reactors, it'll make the nuclear reactor last longer, which are, is a couple of factors that makes power rates go down. In fact, if you look at Bitcoin mining worldwide, Bitcoin mining is concentrated near cheap sources of like alternative power. They're concentrated near cheap geothermal energy in Iceland, cheap hydroelectric dams in China, where they have excess energy often from like the rivers going really fast. And nuclear energy is another excess energy that could be tapped into and cause very cheap power rates that makes Bitcoin mining more profitable. So if a Bitcoin mining farm takes the leap of faith and sets up near a nuclear reactor, it will be more profitable and be able to add more rigs and get very wealthy probably and end up being a huge farm. That's all we have for you today on this October 17, 2018 edition of the BitcoinNews.com daily podcast. Go to BitcoinNews.com 24-7 for the full spectrum of Bitcoin, blockchain, and crypto analysis. If you read BitcoinNews.com, you will be an expert in no time. We'll be back tomorrow with another exciting podcast. This is your host, Space Marine, signing out. Hasta la vista.